Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From KMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Great Bar Sports Open Line. Those good swings, and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Here we go. Now, Matt Pauley on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, man, let's get going here. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go. A full two-hour edition of the program tonight leading you into Cardinals baseball. We don't have that very often. A full sports open line and a full Cardinals broadcast. But that's what we've got tonight as they are playing in Seattle, a 9-10 first pitch, meaning our coverage will begin uh, coming up at 8-15. So in uh, two hours and six minutes, our coverage of Cardinals baseball is set to begin. Between now and then, we do sports open line. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting 314-436-7900. That's 314-436-7900. Call, text, or tweet at me. At Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Jam-packed program tonight. Nate Gatter joins us in about 10 minutes. We'll talk uh, St. Louis City with him as uh, they've got a big one against the Colorado Rapids coming up on uh, Saturday. And then also uh, they're going to be hosting a uh, U.S. Open Cup match next uh, week as well. That's going to be coming up on uh, Tuesday. By the way, this kind of gained some traction on social media today. A lot of people taking note of the fact that tickets are still available for that U.S. Open Cup match, and they're relatively affordable. It's been really tough to get into City Park uh, with all those tickets being sold. So just throwing that out there, if you want to get in there and uh, and see a match, you've got an opportunity to do so on Tuesday as uh, tickets are still available for that. Bob Ramsey will join us uh, later on this hour. We'll talk Cardinals baseball with him. We'll also talk a little slew basketball, how their offseason is going. Uh, a vacancy on the coaching staff just about set to be filled. And as always, in, in the world of college basketball today, you're you're redoing your roster on an every year basis more so than ever because of transfer portal stuff. Players coming in, players going out. It's that much more of a challenge to you are as a college basketball coach and college football as well, but we're talking basketball here. As a college basketball coach, you are recruiting more players now than you've ever had to recruit before because you have less players who stick with your program for a full four-year cycle. So you've just got more more scholarships to give out on an every-year basis. So we'll get into that a little bit with uh, Bob Ramsey uh, later on this hour. Speaking of college athletics, we'll get into the big news from college football. They are changing the rules. They will no longer stop the clock on every first down. You talk about a much-needed rule change. This is it. It is ridiculous how long college football games have gotten. 
three and a half, four hours, and this is just one thing that they can do. They're still going to stop the clock on first downs in the final two minutes, so that will still allow teams to try to rally and drive down the field as quickly as possible and preserve clock, and that's exciting, but getting rid of it for the rest of the game, that is a good thing to do. Uh, Yesterday we talked a bit about the fact that uh, the Oakland A's appear to be en route to Las Vegas Does that get us a step closer to overall Major League Baseball expansion? I think it does. One of the things we have said over and over, we had Maury Brown on earlier this week. He said it as well. You you are not going to see Major League Baseball expand until they've got the Oakland-Tampa stuff figured out. Well, Oakland has taken a step towards getting figured out. You still got to get the Rays situation figured out, but one out of two getting done, or at least being on the road to getting done, probably gets you closer to the actual Major League Baseball expansion that is going to happen at some point. I don't know. I think it's a safe bet to say it's going to happen in the next 10 years, but maybe not. But it's going to happen at some point in the overall relatively uh, near future. Also coming up next hour, we're going to head down to uh, Springfield, Missouri. We're going to talk with uh, Andrew Buckbinder. He is the voice of the Springfield Cardinals. Adam Wainwright just had a rehab start there. He'll have another one coming up. We'll talk about that, and we'll also talk about the impact of uh, the city of Springfield taking over their facility and the Cardinals uh, locking themselves in for a good number of years moving forward and what that does, not just for the city of Springfield, but also for that relationship between the St. Louis Cardinals and Springfield Cardinals and just staying there and that pipeline that uh, that exists and has been a really, really good relationship uh, between the two areas. So that's kind of what's going down on the show today. Again, if you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. You can also tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air is how you get in contact with me. Up next, we'll talk with uh, with our guy, Nate Gatter. He was on last night doing the uh, St. Louis City Soccer Report. They've got another one coming up uh, this weekend. We'll preview what's going on with uh, City and uh, the Colorado Rapids. We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. It's a Gray Bar Sports Open Line, a Friday night edition, and we're back with more in just a moment here on KMOX. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. A Great Bar Sports Open Line continues here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. We take you till 8 o'clock this evening, and then we'll roll right into Cardinals baseball. After that, it is going to be a late evening 
it will probably, it is likely to be our first Cardinals postgame show this year that ends after midnight. Probably. Who knows? Maybe they go an hour and 59 minutes and we're getting out of here at 1145 this evening. But likely with a 9-10 first pitch that will be done after midnight. But uh, we'll be with you throughout the course of the evening. Tomorrow, St. Louis City SC, they're going to uh, match up against the Colorado Rapids Vantage Credit Union game time, 830. It's going to be on Sister Station Y98 to uh, preview that. And who knows uh, what else we happen to uh, talk about when we bring uh, Nate Gatter on to the program. It is indeed... Nate Gatter joining us here on Sports Open Line. Hey, Nate. Hey, Matt. How you doing? I am good. How are you? I'm great. So they score five goals last week. They have um, they've been one of the top goal scoring teams in all of MLS, and now they're matching up against a Colorado team that's going that's not having the best season. It, are we have we gone deep enough into the year? Have they had enough success? where we can look at a match tomorrow and say, not only should they win, but they should be able to put together a pretty solid day. I don't think so. Um, And it's not to say I'm not impressed by what they've done so far, but I think Colorado presents a particular challenge that they struggle with. I think Colorado will be the first team in the last few weeks since Minnesota, the one of only two teams to beat city and the only one to beat city in St. Louis to play them the way Minnesota did, which is sitting really deep and putting 11 players behind the ball and forcing City to play through them rather than what City prefer to do, which is allow the other team to possess the ball 55 or 60% of the time, turn them over, and then hit them on the counterattack. That's exactly what they did to FC Cincinnati. It's very rare that you'll see a team with sub-45% possession score five goals partially Cincinnati's possession and how aggressive they were with that possession, pushing their team so far forward in possession was what let them expose and allowed city to hit them on the counter, which is how they would prefer to play. I think what we saw in the Minnesota game, which maybe city were unlucky to lose it one nil at home a few weeks ago because Minnesota got a late penalty city had some chances to score. So perhaps the draw or even a city win would have been feasible there. City, though, have not proven they can consistently score goals at anywhere near their typical rate when facing a team that wants to sit in and even just say if it ends nil-nil, we're happy with that. So I think this will be a new challenge for them because even though Colorado are 11th in the Western Conference as it stands, they've been unbeaten their last four games. Out of eight games, they only have one win, but they only have three losses. They've drawn four games, including a nil-nil against LAFC, which by points per game is the only team in Major League Soccer better than City to this point. And I think LAFC would have to be considered the title favorite at this point in the season, certainly in the top two with Seattle. So in my mind, this is going to be a real test for City where we get to see them try to do the one thing they haven't yet been able to do. And if they struggle to do it again, play through Colorado, a team sitting deep the way they did in that Minnesota game, I think we're going to see every team in the bottom half of the table play City that way for the rest of the season. Okay, so that leads me right to my next question. And and I know you alluded to it yesterday uh, during your show. Uh, How much are we going to start seeing teams really start to game plan and do things differently as City does continue to have success? I think a lot. I think if there were any teams, especially mid-table, who were thinking, oh, City are a flash in the pan. We want to play the way we want to play because this is our philosophy. We're committed to it, whatever. I think that probably dissipated watching a very good FC Cincinnati team get absolutely thrashed 
in St. Louis last Saturday night. That was a comprehensive, even defining performance for City because it was so true to their ethos. On top of that, it was after an almost two-and-a-half-hour weather delay. The stands were still maybe not packed, but at least 80% capacity, to my eye, being there in the stadium, which was pretty incredible for a game that ended almost midnight local time. FC Cincinnati looked like they didn't really want to be there. Granted, two of their three best players uh, as part of their big three-headed attack were not playing, Lucho Acosta and Brenner, and those are major absences for them. So I don't think it's fair to say it was a full-strength FC Cincinnati team, and it was a full-strength City team, more or less. But none of that takes anything away from 5-1. It was comprehensive. It was borderline embarrassing for FC Cincinnati at times. And... I have a hard time thinking many teams in the league watch that performance and think they can just play their own game, especially if their game is to be as aggressive and as attacking and as proactive as FC Cincinnati tried to be. Because in the end, and this is not to criticize Pat Noonan too strongly, he's a St. Louis guy and he's proven his medal just in his first year and a half as a head coach in MLS leading FC Cincinnati. I thought their tactics in the first half were so aggressive as to be naive, if not arrogant. I wonder if there was arrogance, if they said, we're going to come in and show the new kids what's up, the way Seattle did 3-0 the week prior, and it did not work out that way. They were so far forward in possession. They left themselves so exposed at the back, and they got punished repeatedly. So kind of on the same lines, but looking at it from the other direction, how different is City from their first match to where they're at right now? Um, that's a really good question. I haven't thought about it that way. I think they're not that different. The perception of them is quite different. You know, where is the stock of somebody like Kyle Hebert? Well, two and a half months ago, Kyle Hebert, who's been filling in for Yoki Nielsen as the center back next to Tim Parker, because Nielsen is injured and hasn't been able to play for city yet. And uh, probably will be out another month or more. I think at, at the start of the season, Hebert was considered a guy who had a good season in MLS Next Pro. Think of it as AAA or even AA for American soccer, and who spent six years at Missouri State and was undrafted and sort of a non-prospect. And people were thinking, well, that could be a real weak link for City, whether they thought they had two veteran, valuable center backs. Now he made his Canadian international debut a couple of weeks ago, and he's a player who looks like he could be worth, you know, certainly upper six figures, if not seven figures on the open market. It's incredible that, uh, you know, that's a transformation. So I think the perception of some of these players who were somewhat unproven or who were just looking to rejuvenate their MLS careers in better situations, like the Jake Nerwinski's of the world or Indiana Vasilev, who's playing a a totally new position and and doing really well for city in the middle of the park, an area that I, I was concerned about and still am because they don't have a lot of depth in the center of midfield behind Leuven and Vasilev, especially with Njabalo Blom out with an injury right now. Um, a lot of those guys have proven themselves. I don't think, though, that City are playing or trying to play any differently than they were day one or they were in preseason. Um, they, and, and that goes for what I was saying before, though, in that I don't think they've proven that weakness yet. I don't think they've proven that they can, that they can play with 55 or 60% possession and break down an opponent that is happy to play for a draw. And this Saturday presents an opportunity to do that. The theme of your show last night, or one of the overriding themes throughout the course of the two hours, is 
Are they legitimate title contenders based off record? They're one of, if not the best team in MLS. Uh, I think based off talent, people still feel like they're a little bit uh, behind some other teams. So I know you discussed it a whole lot last night, but where are you at with that right now? Is this a, is this a city team that can make a really, really deep run come playoff time? I think the correct answer at this point, the most logical answer is not yet title contenders. I wouldn't go as far as to say no, because I don't think that's fair to them. And they've proven pretty much everybody wrong so far. At the same time, there are some legitimate questions. One of them we've just talked about at some length uh, already, which is their ability to beat teams that are playing for a draw and want to just try to stifle the game essentially and stall it out. And then the other ones are, do they have enough depth? especially outside of their top 11, maybe top 13 players. There are a lot of guys with very, very little experience at this level who could be relied upon if there's an injury or two or who would just need to fill in as these games start to come thick and fast, right? They're playing Saturday at altitude on the road. Then they'll be back home playing in the U.S. Open Cup in their first involvement, the third round of the U.S. Open Cup on Tuesday night at home against Union Omaha, and then another game the following Saturday. You're not going to be able to run out the same 11 for three games in seven days. This doesn't work like that. So what does the midfield look like on Tuesday night when you don't have Leuven, you probably don't have Vasilev because those guys are most likely going to get rested uh, for the MLS games at the, at the two weekends bookending that, that week uh, that's coming up for them. So, you know, there are big questions, I think, uh, in the depth, and that depth is only going to be tested more as potentially injuries mount. And on top of that, as summer comes on and it gets hot and humid, not only here in St. Louis, but a lot of places they're playing on the road, I think the league is waiting to see can this really high-energy, high-pressing style for City work under the wilting heat and humidity of summer, especially if City can't rely on going five, six, seven deep in their, in their reserves and having those guys fill in capably. That's not to say they can't, but to me right now, the, the highest you could put City is third, uh, in the, in there's a big tier break for me after the top two spots, which is LAFC and Seattle. Um, I, I would guess that the goal for City right now is to try to finish in the top four in the Western Conference. That would be a huge win. Um, at minimum, they would want to be – it would be a disappointment if they don't finish in the top eight and guarantee themselves at least one home playoff game. I think that's a very realistic goal. Um, and give themselves a chance because City Park already has proven to be an excellent advantage for them. I think that's only going to continue. Uh, there's no reason to think that they couldn't make a run in the playoffs. But those top two teams in the West, LAFC and Seattle, are really good. And until we see a little more of City's depth and we see them play in possession more convincingly – I don't think you can say that they're at the same level. Last thing for you, and you talked about the the U.S. Open Cup. This is a really interesting thing that's unique to soccer where pretty much all teams, no matter the what league they're playing in, participate. When I lived in Colorado Springs, we had a USL pro team there, and, and they participate, and all of a sudden you'll have USL teams matched up against MLS teams, and it's a it's a really interesting thing that goes on, just a an in-season tournament that is not just MLS teams, and they've got their first action on Tuesday. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think it's fascinating. It's an adjustment for American fans. Just the idea that you're competing in multiple different competitions during the course of the season that are sort of separate from one another, but obviously have to be coordinated because the resources that go into one are necessarily being taken away from another. There are a finite number of minutes on any given player's legs in a particular week, a particular month, a particular season. And so you have to allocate those resources accordingly. Uh, And you can also approach them differently based on where you are. So I think a lot of people thought that City 
because of St. Louis's history in the U.S. Open Cup, because a bunch of teams from St. Louis, double-digit teams, have won the U.S. Open Cup in its history, and because it, it includes even amateur teams and semi-pro teams still today, and then professional teams, as you said, from the lower levels, which is uh, the bill that's Fifth Union Omaha. Uh, and then, on the other hand, you expected City to be toward the bottom of the standings. A lot of people did, right? Uh, they were overwhelmingly picked to be 13th or 14th in a 14-team Western Conference. And with that in mind, I think a lot of people thought they'd allocate their resources toward the Open Cup because it's an opportunity to make a deep run and excite the fans and maybe even win a trophy without having to be able to put together a consistently great season. You know, think of it like in Major League Baseball, how hard is it for a team that's not that good to finish in, a, in first play, win the division over 162 games? Pretty hard. What if you imagine a, a one-off tournament like March Madness where you only had to win six games or seven games in order to win a trophy, that's much more realistic just because the law of averages won't work against you to the same degree. That's how Princeton ends up beating Arizona and Missouri, not because they would beat either of them a substantial number of times if they played ten games in a row against them. Maybe they'd only win one or two. But if you only play one game, you never know what can happen. Uh, now, City are in a position toward the top of the standings that not a lot of people expected, so I think they'll be more hesitant to allocate a lot of resources to the, to the Open Cup. My guess is that it will be a, a lineup of a lot of reserves and, and guys who haven't gotten as much playing time on Tuesday night. But that could be a great chance to see some of the younger players, the Selmio Pedros, the Isak Jensen's, Miguel Perez's, maybe even Caden Glover, the 15-year-old from Columbia, Illinois, could, could get a first run out. I don't know. Um, you know, that's when you get to see these guys start to make their initial impact for the first team. And it can be really fun for the fans to, to see some of what these guys have in a competitive environment that's a significant step above playing, say, for City 2. He is Nate Gatter. You're going to hear him on Sunday noon for the uh, St. Louis City Soccer Report on Sunday. Is that right? Yep, it'll be noon to 2, and we'll be diving into all this Open Cup stuff. I know it's confusing to people who are new to the game uh, or even just new to the domestic game. Uh, we'll be talking all about what you can expect this coming Tuesday night at City Park and the lots of great tickets that are still available um, and encouraging some people if they haven't had the chance yet, especially with how expensive tickets have been on the secondary market, to get in uh, at a substantially lower price Tuesday night. All right, Nate, great stuff. We'll talk again real soon. Sounds good, Matt. Thanks. Yep, that's Nate Gatter. When we return, we'll hear from uh, Bob Ramsey. We'll talk Cardinals and Billikens with Rammer. That's next. This is a Graybar Sports Open line on KMOX. Your home of the Cardinals. Arnado swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of there. The Billikens. Jumper. Yes! Billikens win! The Chiefs. Touchdown! Kansas City! We are America's sports voice. KMOX. The Great Bar Sports Open Line continues here on KMOX, full two-hour edition as we lead you into Cardinals baseball. Late night of Cardinals baseball. They are in Seattle to open up a three-game set against the Mariners. We'll talk to Cardinals baseball and some Billikens basketball right now with uh, Bob Ramsey. Of course, he is the voice of the Billikens. Rammer, thanks for taking some time with us today. How are you? Matt, good to talk to you, my friend. I've been thinking about this a lot lately as I've been watching just about every college basketball team in the nation, some basically redoing their entire roster, every team redoing a large percentage of it because of the transfer portal, players coming in, players coming out. How much tougher is it for college basketball coaches, head coaches and assistant coaches now? Because you're just, you're, you're recruiting more guys. There's more scholarships available on an every year basis. Well, you know, it's really interesting. What has happened is the college game has morphed into AAU basketball, 
and where AAU coaches are changing players all the time and bringing in a new mix, and it, it's really morphed into that. Um, tough, I think, yes, but really different more than tough. And I think that um, the teams, the programs, the coaches that kind of jump into it and embrace it sooner are going to reap the benefits sooner as well. They, um, a couple things have happened, a few things have happened in terms of the roster. Let's start with CJ Noland. What's the excitement level of bringing in a guy like this into the program? Well, I think, um, I think with Fred Thatch leaving, he and Nolan, um, you, you, you kind of think of him in the Thatch, uh, somewhere in that Thatch Jordan Goodwin um, area. And I know Travis Ford was um, really committed to kind of getting back to a, a team persona that is defense and toughness to go along with the skill shooting. Now, Nolan can also score. So that's a bonus. But so, you know, in some ways, maybe a little more like Jordan Goodwin or uh, sort of in that vein. So I think those are the kind of things they're looking for. The news is about a month old, but we haven't had you on since the announcement was made. Gibson Jimerson, I I think somewhat surprisingly made the announcement that he was going to return. Were you surprised by that? And what kind of impact can that have on the program? Well, first part of your question, completely shocked. Yeah. I would have said a hundred percent chance that Gibson doesn't come back. So I lost that bet badly. And then, um, well, you're saying, well, what impact? Well, he's your leading scorer. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's pretty easy to see having your leading scorer back and then you can build around, you know, that's a given. You're not having to replace 15 plus points a game. All of a sudden that's right back into your, into your uh, uh, projected lineup and game plan and how you have to plan around it. So now, now the you start to um, that's the biggest puzzle piece. Now you can start to piece in around it. So I mean, it helps. Uh, um, it's almost immeasurable the way that helps you try to build your team. I'm gonna try to word this correctly because I don't want to denigrate the overall season of the Billikens. They had a 20 plus win year. They won twice as many league games as they lost. From a from a big picture perspective, it's a it's a good year, but it was not the year that people were expecting. I think people look at it more as a disappointment than as a successful season. So just taking that, what how much do, does the program need to change, if at all? And, and what are they looking for when they when they put together the roster for next year? And you're bringing some guys back, and you're bringing a key part back, like Jimerson. What does this team do to be able to take steps forward to be better than they were this past season? Well, I'm not involved in the recruiting, so that is a huge question. And I, and you're right; it is the question. How do you get better? You got to win more games. That's the you got to win more games, and and also you got to uh, you got to uh, reverse some of those really close losses. Close losses don't matter. You're not playing horseshoes, yeah. right? And you look at a couple of those games, and you flip them around, and it would change the dynamic and the whole season. That's how close it was, but it was close and no cigar. So, what do you do to make those changes? to flip those games. And, and that's what it's all about. I think being more athletic, I think being tougher defensively 
and I think overall being harder to guard, um, we saw a number of games that turned out to be losses. Not all of them, but it was obvious that there were some coaches said, you know what, we don't think the Billikens can beat us if Gibson Jimerson um, doesn't go off and score 20-plus. And it was obvious that was the, what the game plan was. And when it was executed properly, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a darn good game plan. So how do you combat that? How do you have other weapons that um, complement what Jimerson can do? And, and while doing that, be more, as I said earlier, more back to your um, uh, preferred identity of being a tough, defensive-minded team. So those are the things you got to go for. But I think size and athleticism goes a long way in, in answering some of those questions. All right, let's switch gears. Uh, folks, of course, can see you talk Cardinals uh, baseball just about every day with uh, Daily Cards Live, Claves Online, along with, with Joe Roderick. At what point in the time, because it's been obviously a, a disappointing start to the season for the Cardinals from a, from a win-loss standpoint, what is the thing that's maybe concerning you the most right now? Well, I think it's uh, I think it's the concern for that everyone has, and that is getting the rotation start uh, uh, more complete, more consistent, so that you know on a, on virtually every night that if you play well, you've, your starter's going to give you a chance to win or at the very least compete. What you can't continue to do because it's a a shock to the system and puts too much pressure on the offense and the bullpen when you're giving up four or five or six runs in the first handful of innings. Um, that doesn't happen every night. And I think maybe the strides are being made um, uh, in that direction. But I think everybody sees it. You've got to right the ship with the starting rotation. It all starts there. And I think if you do that, you can sort of cobble together the bullpen behind it and have a maybe not elite until trades are made, but a competitive staff. And you've got to be able to compete more because I think if you can compete on the, you know, runs saved side of the ledger, I think your offense is going to help you compete more nights than not. Would you agree there's almost two different questions with the starting rotation? The first question being them just getting to a point where they're giving a better opportunity to win games in the regular season versus looking long ahead and looking to the postseason and trying to figure out whether or not this group is going to give you an opportunity to win a postseason series? Matt, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that based on history, looking at John Mazalak's MO, no pun intended, that you look at the way he works. He'll give you, and maybe and he's even indicated, maybe it'll be a little sooner than later. Lots of times we're going right up to the trade deadline in July. Now it's August 1st before they start making moves. Uh, maybe a month sooner, maybe six weeks sooner. Look at the trends, see where we're going, see what needs to be fixed, and then you start making deals. I think, I think in the next six weeks, uh, again, depending on what trends continue, good or bad, I think Mo might make some moves sooner than he normally does but patience has been a virtue for him over the course of time. They've got all those pieces that they could have used in a Sean Murphy trade, and some of those guys you're just going to lose at the end of the year because you're not going to have room on the 40-man roster. There's there's guys who are going to need 40-man roster spots. It, it, this feels like the year where they really do something in season. Yeah, and I, I know we all would wish 
that um, we would have got Scherzer and Verlander and DeGrom last winter. That would have been fantastic. I'm, I'm all for it and make the deal for Otani, and then we're all really happy, right? But that is not the way the Cardinals work. So we can have the fantasy baseball conversations and, and, and make our deals with our, with our fantasy teams. That's not the way the Cardinals do it. And, but they will make deals with assets, and I think it's pretty obvious where the assets lie. And Mo will make deals with those assets to improve. Now, when he does that, you and I can get on the air again and start talking about was it enough, did we give away too much, and all the things that go with making deals. But that's what they're going to do. The, the trade um, opportunities, the assets that they have, it's pretty obvious to see who and what. And then, but what will they get? And the other thing, we it, it's hard to um, really measure, even up until a time a deal is made, what do your trade partners think of your assets? And that's always the key to the deal. He's Bob Ramsey, longtime voice of the Billikens, right here on KMOX Daily Cards, live at Klabe's Online, at RammerSTL on Twitter. Bob, thanks so much for the time. We'll catch up again real soon. It's going to be a fun one. I love West Coast baseball. Get to listen on KMOX well into the night. It's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Sounds great. There's Bob Ramsey joining us here on a Graybar Sports Open Line. We certainly appreciate him taking a little bit of time with us. We'll take a break, and when we come back, the college football rules are changing a bit. I think they're changing in a really big way. Good, bad, none of the above. We'll get into it in just a moment. A Graybar Sports Open Line continues in just a moment right here on KMOX. The Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Goes mid swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Our sports open line does roll on right here on at KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. As always, if you want to join in on the conversation, you can call, you can text 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900, or you can tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Next hour, Major League Baseball expansion. Are we closer? We'll talk with uh, Andrew Buckbinder from the Springfield Cardinals. And, uh, yeah, we'll get into a few other things leading into Cardinals baseball, Cardinals in action uh, this evening as they open up a series in Seattle against the Mariners. Again, what just not to get too far into MLB expansion because we're going to talk about it next hour, but the new schedule that we're seeing right now is kind of part of that step towards that where they're, the American League and the National League probably not going to be a thing anymore once they get to 32 teams. When is that going to be? I don't know, but we're also probably a step closer to that as a result of uh, the the appearance that Oakland and the A's are going to be headed to Las Vegas. More on that coming up in just a little bit. Wanted to mention this. I love college football. College football was always one of my least favorite sports to work because – the games, for no reason, last forever. I mean, we spend so much time talking about baseball and the games lasting a really long time. I think for the greater good of baseball, it's good that these games are moving faster. And yeah, there would be a, a game here, a game there, where it just really felt like it was dragging. But I was never somebody who just 
thought it hated the length of baseball games. I like the new rules. I'm glad the games are going faster. I think from a general population standpoint, it's good. But me as a sports fan, it wasn't something that really bothered me. The length of college football games, it bothers me. I think part of the reason is that we watch the NFL and we see most NFL games get over in about three hours. The NFL is a perfect television product. You, you know just about how long the game's going to be on an everyday basis. It fits nicely into a TV window, and you're able to move forward from there. And college football isn't like that. And one of the problems is, and this isn't something that anybody can really do anything about, the commercial breaks, like the length of a commercial break for a college football game, it varies depending on what network you're on. It's not something, the, the, the commercial breaks, the length of breaks, even number of breaks, that's not completely governed by the NCAA. It's more governed on a conference level, and the conference will work with their TV partners. So if you're a game that's, say, on, on CBS or on one of the big networks, ESPN, there may be longer commercial breaks. There might be an extra commercial break in there where if you're a game that was not selected for national TV and you end up on, on a regional sports network, something like that, then all of a sudden there's going to be less breaks. There's the, the uniformity that you have in, say, the NFL doesn't really exist as much when it gets to college football. So that's one of the problems because they can just make breaks longer and longer and longer if they need to. But at some point in time, and go one of the problems with college football when it comes to the TV scheduling is the overrun of games is an issue. They never, they never schedule enough time for games back to back. So you're also you're you're so consistently missing the start of the next game. It's if it's on ESPN, it's always ah oh, this game is airing right now on the ESPN app or on ESPN News, and uh, we'll get to it as soon as this game gets over. Because even when they put games in a three and a half hour window, these games go longer than that. Games are going four hours. So they've made a rule change. I love the rule change. One of the differentials between or differences between the NFL and college football is the clock stops in college football on every first down until the ball gets set again, and then they run the clock from there. They are getting rid of that. They are not going to stop the clock on first downs, and that is going to result in games, I think, being significantly shorter. Now, is it going to have the kind of impact that the rules in baseball are having? I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see. But I think games are, they may still go a little bit longer than the NFL. Uh, They are going to stop the clock on first downs in the final two minutes of each half. So that's going to create some excitement if you're a team that's trying to come back. If you're a team that the game's tied and you're trying to score a last-second touchdown, there's going to be an opportunity there. Every first down, you're going to see the clock stop. That's fine. That's a really exciting time for that to happen. I can live with the final two minutes and the clock stopping. There was never a reason to have that in place beforehand. So I think this is really good. I think this is really good for college football. I think we're at a place right now in sports where it's becoming more and more important that – games are moving at a swift pace. The the consumer, not just the sports fan, but a sports consumer, someone who's watching a game, attending a game, listening to a game, whatever it might be, the way I think just society is changing, and like it or don't like it, but it's the way it's moving, people want to see things move quicker, 
Game time's being a little bit more predictable. It's uh, it's that much more important now than it's probably ever been before. So good on the NCAA on recognizing the issues that they had and making these changes, and I'm going to be very interested to see uh, what it looks like coming up next year. But I think all in all, this is going to be uh, very good for uh, college football and college football fans all the way around. All right, one hour down, one more to go. Uh, we'll talk a little bit uh, with uh, Andrew uh, Buckbinder, the voice of the Springfield Cardinals. We'll talk about Major League Baseball expansion, what that's going to look like. It's all coming up. It's a Gray Bar Sports Open Line, a Friday night edition, as we lead you into Cardinals baseball. And we're back with more in just a moment right here on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 